Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, I'm Josh Levine. My podcast, The Queen, tells the story of Linda Taylor. She was a con artist, a kidnapper, and maybe even a murderer. She was also given the title The Welfare Queen, and her story was used by Ronald Reagan to justify slashing aid to the poor. Now, it's time to hear her real story. Over the course of four episodes, you'll find out what was done to Linda Taylor, what she did to others, and what was done in her name. The the great lesson of this, uh, for me, is that people will come to their own conclusions based on what their prejudices are. Subscribe to The Queen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. So obviously, every indictment tells a story. When you first read it, what details or what evidence stood out the most to you? I mean, anytime you have gold bars and cash just stashed places, I mean, the photos, I think, alone were just very striking. This is Jessica Taylor, the Senate and governor's editor at the Cook Political Report, talking about federal corruption charges against New Jersey Senator Robert Menendez. It evoked to me there was another corruption case in Louisiana um, many years ago where a Democratic congressman, uh, William Jefferson, had stored cash in his freezer. So it almost felt like that to me when you have, you know, jackets that he has that are just stuffed with cash. And then, I mean, the gold bars alone, you know, in one of his press conferences, he tried to say, you know, well, I just got this money out because I don't trust banks, essentially. But who gets money out with gold bars is the question. when he sort of tried to explain this away, it just did not pass the smell test, I think. He's on the banking committee. Like, if you don't trust U.S. banks and you're on the banking committee, that's just really questionable. The indictment outlining federal corruption and bribery charges came out in late September. Then, just last week, the Justice Department leveled an additional charge against Menendez, The U.S. is accusing New Jersey's senior senator of working as a foreign agent for Egypt. I think that it went from bad to worse, or really from worse to more worse, I think. These charges rise to, I think, another level when you are charged with doing favors for a foreign entity, for a foreign government. And all of this came at the same time when he was chairing the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, which is just an incredibly powerful position in regards to U.S. foreign policy. Yeah, it sounded like the plot of a movie. It it does, you're right, it does feel very cinematic in a way and you know, some from some type of, you know, spy novel or something, which is essentially what he's being accused of being, of being a foreign agent in this regard. Today on the show, the government's case against Senator Robert Menendez, who says he isn't going anywhere. I'm Yasmin Khan, in for Mary Harris. 
You're listening to What Next? Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you want to understand what is happening in the United States right now, you really need to understand what's happening with the courts, the law, and the Supreme Court. The battle between democracy and whatever this cage match is that we're witnessing, it's going to be won and lost at the ballot box, but it's also going to be won and lost in the courtrooms. I'm Dahlia Lithwick. I host Slate's legal podcast, Amicus, and we are doubling our output bringing you weekly episodes from here on in, because how else can we keep an eye on the many trials of Donald Trump, the conservative legal movement's assaults on our rights, the Supreme Court's latest slate of environmental gutting, gun safety, eviscerating cases on the docket. So follow Amicus wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes dropping every Saturday morning. I think it would be good to maybe take a step back to remind people who Robert Menendez is, because he's been around for a little while. You know, he's held a New Jersey Senate seat since 2006, but he's not necessarily as much of a household name as some other senators. Even still, though, he's been pretty powerful over the past few decades, right? Has been. And I think especially when you look in the world of New Jersey politics, which is rough and tumble in and of itself, I think, and very cutthroat. So, you know, he um, was mayor of Union City, became served in the General Assembly in the state, and then in the state Senate. He was elected to the House of Representatives in 1992, so served in that for over a decade before um, being elected then uh, to the Senate. And he was in House leadership, again, rising to the Senate, and he's just, you know, you know, has a lot of power in the state and he's, you know, he's chaired the even, um, you know, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee in the past, which is responsible for getting uh, Democrats elected to the Senate. So, well, I think he's not, he's certainly not a household name. He's well known there in New Jersey. He's the state senior senator. And, you know, anytime you rise to a chairmanship in the Senate, that's a that's a very major deal. So he is a very influential member of the caucus. And these charges that are being leveled against him are just very stunning. And it is worth noting that this is not his first scandal. Uh, back in 2015, he was indicted on corruption charges um, in a case that ultimately ended in a mistrial. Can you just remind us what he was accused of then? Yes. So he was accused then of, um, there was a Florida ophthalmologist who was a close friend of his and a campaign donor. And he was essentially accused of trying to help him out in different ways that, you know, th these donations were um, urging Menendez to act on his behalf. He was accused of, you know, getting 
um, you know, in exchange for campaign dollars, essentially getting visas for some of this man's girlfriends, um, flying on his private jet, and that he did not disclose these. And so the trial began, um, but there was a hung jury. I think some of the jurors talked afterwards and they said they didn't feel like the, you know, evidence against him was strong enough. And essentially the federal government decided um, not to refile uh, charges. Shortly after that trial ended, Menendez was reelected to his Senate seat in 2018. And the alleged corruption and bribery from this latest indictment began not long after that. Prosecutors say Menendez accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes, and he didn't do it alone. Another main player is his wife, who they were only married a few years ago. This is his second wife, um, Nadine. He actually proposed to her in front of the Taj Mahal. They met at an IHOP in New Jersey. Um, He proposed to her in front of the Taj Mahal by singing a song from The Greatest Showman. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of a whirlwind romance. Um, She's also indicted and is being charged essentially as acting as a go-between between these Egyptian businessmen um, who have close connections with the military and intelligence officials in Egypt. Yeah, she even introduced Menendez to one of them, I think, he, one of these businessmen. She did, yes. She was the sort of impetus for the introduction. The details get complicated, but through dinners text messages, and encrypted phone calls, Menendez and Nadine allegedly accepted things like gold bars in exchange for Menendez using his authority as head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee to help with weapon sales to Egypt and increasing U.S. military funding to the country. He allegedly even ghostwrote the request on behalf of Egyptian officials for $300 million in American aid. Most of this communication allegedly happened through Nadine. According to the indictment, she even bragged at one point that trying to help these businessmen would make them more powerful than the president of Egypt, um, the indictment says, and that these Egyptian officials via them were trying to essentially pressure Menendez to support more military equipment being sold to to Egypt, more you know financing, and in return um, for helping with the sales of military equipment and things. Essentially, his wife, Nadine, was going to be given a job at this company, but it was essentially a, you know, a front in a way. They, they say that she wasn't really doing any work. You know, essentially, this was to get a ban on small arms um, and military equipment to, sent to Egypt lifted. And so it really does seem as though, again, his very new wife, Nadine, is somehow involved with this, um, of this go-between between these um, Egyptian businessmen that are very closely tied to the Egyptian intelligence community. Beyond the aid to Egypt, Menendez is also accused of accepting bribes in exchange for personal favors. The indictment alleges that Menendez meddled in the criminal investigations against two other New Jersey businessmen. Yeah, so Jose Haribe was an insurance broker, and he was accused of fraud. And in exchange for Menendez allegedly working with the state attorney general's office to lessen the criminal prosecution, which that was state prosecution with the other businessmen, it was federal. In exchange, he was alleged to have given Menendez a Mercedes convertible, which is also in the photos of um, the indictment that came down. So you have the cash, you have the gold bars, you have a Mercedes. I mean, all of this just speaks to if you're trying to illustrate bribery, 
all of these things demonstrate that in a very concrete way. So this new charge of acting as a foreign agent was then added last week. Mm-hmm. Can you explain exactly what that means? What does it mean to act as a foreign agent? You are essentially acting in the interest of another government. And this is a country that he is not from, that he is not a citizen of, at the time when he represents a state in the United States. I mean, it's just completely unprecedented. We have to emphasize, again, he is innocent until proven guilty. But the amount of evidence that they have against him, I think, you know, again, pales in comparison to the the first trial that he had you know back in 2017 i think it's just two very very different charges and these are just so much more serious yeah i'm i'm still trying to wrap my head around where these accusations against menendez fall on the spectrum of wrongdoing um which on the one hand i i hate even thinking about it that way because i don't want to think relatively when we're talking about wrongdoing um but, you know, unfortunately, we're all kind of immune to a lot of these accusations, or at least just to the ideas of influence peddling and fraud, even to indictments. Um, but these allegations against Menendez seem to stand out, even by today's standards. I mean, there is a cozy relationship, certainly, in Washington, when you look at the relationship between money and politics and donors giving to campaigns with the understanding that they, you know, you want to curry favor. That's lobbying. That's just the way lobbying works. And that's the way that our system of government and our federal election system is set up. Money equals time and influence. But to have what appears to be a foreign government going to this extent and using these players and trying to get to the senator to press for these weapons and for military aid is just a whole different level. This goes beyond just an individual trying to enrich themselves. This is tied to a foreign government. And I also think that, you know, when these charges came down, we were not in the situation where we are right now in the Middle East, with Egypt being so in close proximity to what is going on in Israel and in Gaza, that I think these accusations could rise to an entirely different level, depending upon what unfolds over there as well. After the break, how are Senate Democrats and Republicans responding? And what impact could this have on the upcoming presidential election? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
How has Robert Menendez responded to the accusations against him? He's responded very defiantly, saying that this is just, you know, sort of my political enemies are after me. He's also claimed that they are coming after him because he is a Hispanic senator. They are coming after him for his heritage. I firmly believe that when all the facts are presented, not only will I be exonerated, but I still will be the New Jersey's senior senator. To those who have rushed to judgment, you have done so based on a limited set of facts framed by the prosecution to be as salacious as possible. It's essentially, you know, they are attacking me. Woe is me. I will prove these charges wrong. Right. He said people are trying to dig his political grave. Yes. He certainly said he will not step down. But he is up for re-election in 2024, and he has not said explicitly whether he will run for that seat again. But there's some complicating factors in that. He has set up a legal defense fund, and some of that can come from his political action committee, but he can also use campaign funds to pay for that. So he still needs access to those campaign funds in a way, Mm. and presumably to raise more campaign money to pay for his legal bills. It's the same way that Donald Trump has been paying for many of his legal bills through his campaign account. Um, And then I also think that the longer he hauls on to the Senate seat or is able to, it can become a bargaining chip and a potential plea deal. And again, I'm not a lawyer, but these are very serious charges. And you have to think that his attorneys are advising him as such. And resigning and stepping down could make for a more advantageous plea deal for Menendez. Right. I see the strategy. He hasn't said he'll run for re-election, but he can't resign because he still needs to fundraise and he still needs to use his position as a bargaining chip. Exactly. How have Senate Democrats responded to all of this? The majority of Democrats, Democratic senators have called on him to resign. The Senate leader, Chuck Schumer, has not yet. But you also have Democrats that are facing a very difficult 2024 Senate map where they are defending 23 seats to just 11 for Republicans. So you have seen these senators that are the most vulnerable in the upcoming elections, like, um, you know, uh, John Tester of uh, Montana, Sherrod Brown of Ohio, uh, call on him to step down. It's sort of, you don't want this, you know, hanging over their heads. And after these new charges came out last week of acting as a foreign agent, you had uh, one senator Uh, John Fetterman from neighboring Pennsylvania actually calling on um, Menendez to be expelled from the Senate. We haven't seen people um, follow that call for expulsion, and that is a far more serious um, call. But again, the last time that someone was actually expelled from the Senate was back in the Civil War and had to do um, with uh, essentially supporting the Confederate rebellion. Yeah. What are the chances of that happening now? Because you have to have two-thirds majority it could be difficult. You'd have to have Republican votes clearly. And I think Republicans are, you haven't seen them, uh, most of them call on him to step down because you want, you know, sort of an embattled person there. It gives them an outside chance, a very small chance Mm. of flipping the seat, but only if Menendez is the senator. But also, and Democrats I've talked to have made this point, what they feel like Menendez has the potential to do, if you have a campaign, if you have these ads airing about all of these allegations, Now, New Jersey is going to go Democratic at the presidential level. It's going to go Democratic across the board. But it shares a media market with Pennsylvania. 
which is a swing seat, of course, in the presidential election, and will also have a very critical center race. So if those ads bleed into that market at the same time that Democrats are trying to, let's assume that the, it is former President Trump who is the nominee, trying to sort of, you know, talk about his own multiple indictments, does that lose some of its luster? You don't want to have your own indicted problem sitting there when you're trying to trying to essentially prosecute the case of these other indictments that the former president has. Right. So Senate Democrats want to make this mess go away in terms of the larger strategy. Exactly. And I think, you know, Menendez has gotten a little lucky in the past few weeks, I think, because when the initial indictments came out, it was sort of right on the cusp of a government shutdown. Um, And then this new indictment came out last week. Well, what was happening last week? There was no House Speaker. (laughs) So Republicans on the House side had this incredible mess. So I think it's gotten a little bit lost in a way. And now there's a war between Israel and Hamas. Right. And now there's a war. So, you know, he is getting overshadowed a little bit um, because of all these other things that are happening, which is pretty fortunate. But is that going to happen forever? I doubt it. So whether or not Menendez decides to run again, there are people vying for his seat already. Um, This is a Senate seat that previously was not expected to open up anytime soon. Right. Um, And now there's a window potentially for someone new to come in. What does the landscape for this potential race look like so far? Um, It is still developing, but he has at least one very serious primary challenger, and he got it about less than 24 hours after his indictment came out. Hmm. Um, Andy Kim, who is a congressman from South Jersey, he was elected in 2018, flipping a seat from red to blue in that Democratic wave, Um, Asian-American, just seen as a rising star, I think, in a way, but still still a backbencher in, in many ways, especially when compared to Menendez. He sort of stepped up very surprisingly, mm-hmm. just tweeted on a Saturday, not in the traditional way that you would unveil a campaign with there being an announcement essentially saying, you know, these charges against Menendez are serious and I can't sit back and let this happen and I'm going to primary him. So I think that caught a lot of people I talked to in New Jersey very off guard and sort of sounded the starting gun of this against Menendez. Another potential candidate that could enter the race that uh, I'm certainly hearing a lot of buzz about is um, Tammy Murphy, who is the first lady of New Jersey. So uh, New Jersey's never had a female senator either. So it could be a really interesting race. And again, it all comes down to these county lines and who the county parties decide to support that are so crucial. And right now, it certainly seems like Menendez you know, may only get his his home base. A lot of these other counties have said that they will no longer support him, which is just very striking in itself because he's had that support for, for decades, really. Menendez's trial is set, I, I believe, for May right now. Mm-hmm. What What will you be keeping an eye on over the next few months? I mean, if it happens in May, then it would happen right before the primary. And that's not exactly the timing that you want. Of course, there can be, um, you know, continuances and delays and certain things. But again, all of this is happening in an election year when Democrats especially would rather the focus be on some of Donald Trump's legal allegations and things. You mentioned that this case is maybe not getting as much news attention as it might normally uh, because of the Speaker of the House drama, um, because of the situation with Israel and Hamas. 
But we've also talked about how serious these charges are against Menendez. And I'm just wondering, you know, is it, if you think, is it important for listeners to be paying attention to this case as it progresses? I think it is because the military aid that he was pressured to get could end up factoring very much into the war in the Middle East. I think that is mm-hmm. really getting lost in that instance because, of course, when these charges first came down, that what that conflict wasn't engaged. But now that it is, I'm really watching to see whether that becomes more of an issue now that you have this major conflict and loss of life in the Middle East and how the Egyptian government might eventually play in into that. But again, I think just any time that you have a sitting senator accused of acting on behalf of a foreign government, it is just very stark and I think very troubling. Jessica, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Jessica Taylor is the Senate and Governor's Editor at the Cook Political Report. That's the show. What Next is produced by Paige Osborne, Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Madeline Ducharme, and Anna Phillips. We're led by Alicia Montgomery with a little help from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations at Slate. And I'm Yasmin Khan, in for Mary Harris. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.